You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If it's the 23rd of Shvat, which is Tainus Tzadikim Day, this must be Rizcha Daraisa, a special Tainus Tzadikim Rizcha Daraisa. Um, and it has a very big connection to Harav Agoyin, Rav Yosef Gabriel Bechofer, who wrote the premier Sefer on Sefer Shoftim, because it seems there's a Kabbalah that on this day, Klal Yisrael, the other Shvatim, uh, gathered together the uh, Mechoma by Peleg Shpigib on Sheba Binyamin. So this was the day they readied themselves for one of the worst, uh, I guess, right, Rav Yosef, one of the most... Uh, um, Devastating civil wars in Jewish history. Yeah. Yes, yes, one that you uh, delineated and, and wrote about in that in the big day sheish on Sefer Shoftim. Um, also, by the way, if you do some research from from Dear Shoes newsletter, <laughs> which I happen to pull up here, um, I see that this is also in um, seven forty eight the um, the uh, a great earthquake happened that was called the Rashvius and the Jewish communities, I guess the Bali Masaira there in Tveri and Beishan. Um, there was an earthquake there that took place and uh, unfortunately killed many. And because of that, there has been a Tsoim, a Tsoim Rav on this Yoim. Yes. Chovkim Ushvat. Uh, might give us a little bit of a, uh, of a segue into uh into tonight's topic um Pelek obviously was a uh not only the you know it, again it's not only just that Klal Yisrael fought each other um but Shevet Binyamin which was Miyuchid I guess like right? Binyamin Aksadik you would assume Binyamin the Shevet they were the the Tzadikim the ones that the 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 Shechina was in it was in their the parts of the of the of the heichal that were in Sheva Binyamin, and yet the events that occurred that that precipitated this war, not only gruesome, they're 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 lurid. How, how do you how do you make sense with that? That Sheva Binyamin, which was you know tzaddikim, that the the Binyamin himself, their 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 father was mace beitir shalnochosh, and yet. Look, look at how the, uh, the this 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 poor woman was treated there. How did, how did how does Bechoffer explain that? This is the day the the day they were so in a way commemorating. Well, uh, I don't know uh, what how we can explain exactly, but there's the famous Yaakov Shimoni which says who is responsible for all those people who died with Elijah Shagiva, the Sanhedrin Agado, because the Sanhedrin Agado should have gone around. From to village to village, from town to town, and taught Neso Torah and their and instead they 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 stayed, they still remained in Ishtachas Gafna, Ishtachas Neso said Shoma Nafshi, and they didn't care about the rest of the behavior. So uh, I think that the whatever Shev Binyamin was responsible for themselves, Kazal put the blame squarely on the Ada who were not doing their job as they should have done. I guess that was indicated by the fact that incredibly Shevet Binyamin actually in the first days of the war, Shevet Binyamin uh, were successful. Battles, yeah. right? mm-hmm. They won the battles where they were completely outnumbered. 
Um, but I still think, you know, it speaks to, you know, uh, a period where there was a lack of, 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 central, of central control. And in, in a sense, I would say it lends itself to a, to a oh, level. That's, uh, that's why Sefer Shoptim ends with uh, you know, it's, a, it's the beginning and it's the theme of the book. And it seems like, put this way, the fact that he had this Pelegish was not strange, right? Um, and w- w- what bothered him, of course, was the was the Baal, was the was was the obviously, you know, he kicks her out. You know, he's not exactly a tzaddik either. Um, and uh, you know, the fact that they had their ways with her in such a gruesome, horrible way, leaving her as a as a corpse. Um, it, it obviously is something that uh, it boggles the mind, boggles the mind, and I guess makes us really aware that despite my, not being that many generations removed from Yitzhak Mitzrayim, what, a, what we could devolve into. And I guess that is the segue into the Gidre Hatznius that we want to talk about. Uh, Rav Yosef Gavriel, you're speaking to me. I can see from the uh, the glare from the window that you're speaking to me from some faraway place. Not not your usual Muncie uh, attic. You're talking to me from where? Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Aha, uh-huh. a great volunteer state. Yes, Gatlinburg, the village in eastern Tennessee, uh, right at the entrance of the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Uh, and many, many visitors come there. I'm so happy that the Bechopfer family has finally made it there and to glory in the Rabbeinu Shalom's Bria. Um, and, and, and Rabbi Yosef, I know that... Am I, uh, you know, that this is a place which is a, a big, big, uh, uh, I would say, commemorative uh, center for Tznius. <laughs> because on the way to the to the Smoky Mountains, to Gatlinburg, you pass... Dolly Parton land. Kayadua, uh-huh. Dolly Parton always wears a shaitel. And uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I once read that Dolly Parton was once asked, um, how long does it take you to do your hair? And she said, I have no idea. I'm not there when it's done. So, uh, yes, yes, you know, Dolly. Have the, uh, Baruch Hashem, we get you're definitely being oimed on, on, on one of the inyanim that are meyuchid for Dolly Parton, this her sheitel. Um, yeah. <laughs> enough said on that count. Let me, uh, Rav Yosef, yes, so you, you are in the, the, the area of the South, and I know that you got there, uh, somebody, you weren't actually chauffeured there, but I know that the great Rebetzin Bechhofer, uh, I know she loves to drive, because one of my first meeting, one of my first dealings with her is when we uh, uh, went out to uh, to run a seat program in Munster, Indiana, and I remember uh, how much she loved driving that Dodge Caravan, that blue Dodge Caravan uh, that you guys had. I think we all packed into that caravan together, all of us, and it was a seat program under my, but I remember she drove. And I remember you know, that- though, You should know, though, that on the way down, she switched off, but not with me, with our son. <laughs> right. she, she trusts 
You trust him more than she trusts me. I, I, I say, of course, listen, you're Shaku and learning. You, of course, yeah. learning. So, so, so your wife is the main driver. That I understand, right? Yeah. right. I know that already. Even before we became such nunta, nunta chaveirim, I knew about your wife's love of being behind the wheel. And, you know, she's got a pretty, um, she puts the pedal to the metal, though, right? Or she's, she, she's careful on, 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 on the speed. Never gotten a ticket. <laughs> Here, that's a good evasive answer. <laughs> anyway, the point though is it's interesting that uh, we know that in Muncie, where you live, and in many Sidisha communities, um, it's verboten for women to drive. And let's start there. Um, it's almost, uh, you know, my, my wife has a good friend, by the way, who was uh, raised non Sidish, uh, but when she married into a Sidisha family, it was a Dover Posha that she would not drive. And she hasn't driven in, in the 25 years that she's been married, or 30 years or whatever it is. Um, and the Chassidim are very, very adamant about it. They, they believe it makes a lot of sense. Now, of course, we look at this, and we look at this as something, um, you know, backward, as something, come on, don't they get it? Uh, but I'd like to suggest that perhaps, they, 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 perhaps they, they're onto something. What do you think? The... Um, I have no idea where you're going with this. I'd love to hear what, what uh, exactly your mahalachness is. You should, by Hasidim in general, they they frown also on younger whites and Kwe uh, Kodesh driving as well. In other words, driving is like a Nechais Dargov, where the people have to make a Parnosa, things like that. If you are uh, in a Kodesh, even if you're a male, you don't drive. So basically, the, the idea is, okay, that's one idea, that driving a car is almost like a lower class thing to do. But I, think of- I've, I think I've said on this program before, perhaps not, that it's my firm belief that one of the reasons we do not have tzaddik in Mizman Hazer the way we used to is because people drive. Yes, drive. you have. Yes, yes, yes you, you you have talked about that, and yes, and, and, so and you're I correct. Think. Driving does bring out aggressiveness. You've talked about that, but it also, I think, by the chassidim, the point is that you're out there. In other words, driving, even though you hope you're not going to get into an accident, you're not going to necessarily get into, but you might, and you're out there as a player. And when you're driving, you know, especially in the state of New York, the state of New Jersey, where tinted windows are illegal. People see you. So you are definitely a person that is being seen. Now, it's true. You're only being seen for a second or two when you're stopping at a light, but you're still out there in the public eye. And in, in a sense, of course, you know, uh, you can understand that there is an idea of there is an idea of, look, you know, unfortunately, uh, the, the modern world forces us to have this. But why should we uh, f- push women into this position. And, and I understand where they're coming from. Uh, from- well, I don't think they're pushing women into position. They're pushing women out of the position to be able to drive. They, in other words, what they're saying is, is that we believe that we want to be machabed our, our wives. I'm saying in terms of their perspective. No, that's not being machabed their wives. Maybe being machabed their wives, not being machabed their wives. <laughs> In their mind, that's what they, that's that's the apologetics that they'll tell you. Oh, right, that's world. what I that is what I'm trying to. Okay, but that's not not and that's not Emma's not Ernst. 
Okay, so I agree with you that in a way, a, a girl who would want to have some freedom feels the fact that she's shackled and she can't get into a car and that she has to wait for a car service or wait for her teenage son or whatever it is to drive with her in the backseat. I, I agree that a sense of she would, but it's at least tethered to an idea of the grub kite of being the driver of having to uh, be aggressive of being in that front seat i think there is something beautiful to that idea i agree with you that 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 in practice many of them maybe like my wife's friend feels like she's she is bound that she can't just go to the car and go to the store when she needs to because there's this rule stopping it um but 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 there is an idea behind it and i think the gidre at snius always have this two-edged sword type of uh, aspect to it. Um, and any, it was my personal belief that any type of tzniyas which is made up is a tool for oppression of women. If it's not, not in Chazal, it came later on, it's just oppressive. Okay, so uh, so is there a, a is there a, a handbook in Chazal you think that gives you this sidre atzias? We know there are certain uh, gedarim which we find uh, in Shochanara. You're asking very good because we uh, we both reviewed a video this week on Israeli television where it distinguished be- between what's neistic and not neistic and what's rechovi. I like that term and not rechovi, and what uh, what is considered to be even though it's neistic. Not appropriate for uh, Benoisi Sro from Beis Yaakov or other uh, 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 highly orthodox setting. Right, and and of course the people who are who are administering it need to know what's in the rechov, right? In other right. words, the gatekeepers have to keep an eye on what's happening, and they have to know that this that if the if the cuckoo, which is and it's not the rechov of of the models that are going on the runway. It's the rechov of the fashionable, more modern Orthodox women. That's what it's about, right? It's really about knowing where the women who are pushing the envelope are and say, well, we can't go there and, and pushing back. Uh, what do you think about that? You know, those, the, those changing, shifting rules about, uh, okay, one bracelet is okay, three bracelets is not good. Uh, earrings that that stick to the ear that are just little puncture marks, all right. But earrings that come down uh, is is is, is a and news. We saw the video. Do you think she's right? Yes. Uh, and you would be mocked on that uh, on your family as well. Uh, who, who listens to me in my family? But, but uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> if you could, if you had yeah. your druthers. Yeah. You would. Uh, yes, I would. Uh, and what about? First of all, is, I would about. I I would not allow. Any uh, girls to come to school with earrings at all? No, no earrings at all. Even the ones that are just like, uh, like like bolts into the ear, you wouldn't allow that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. I mean, the Gemara, my the Gemara, my cotton says from six. Right, the Gemara says a barshis, right? So even a six-year-old wants some sort of uh, makeup and things go- like that. Yeah, but they, that's uh, not in school. I see. Okay, so that uh, so that uh, I, I don't really catch the it's difference. It's cool. We make them wear uniforms. It's the same thing, right? And don't we realize that by by restricting them in this way, we're making them feel like they don't control their lives, that no, they can't okay. do what they want. I, I, maybe, but I, I think I think that that's optimum, nevertheless, because uh, otherwise the yeah, focus yeah. becomes much too much on Gashmius. Oh come on. 
Yeah. <laughs> look, look, we realize that they, they're not living in a, in a complete bubble, right? And if they, women... I know, it's, 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 it's enough that on the and weekends it, and out of school, they're concerned with how they look for 24 hours a day. But, right, uh, but, in, but school, in the school, in the school, they're not really doing it for, there's no boys in the school. They're not doing it to make themselves... So let's have two boys. Women have a, a, a desire to have nice clothing, regardless of whether the boys present or not. Okay. So I do with boys. Well, again, here you're, you're showing your ignorance of biology, but you're, it, it's, what's behind it is obviously uh, the, 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 the Darwinian, although we don't, <laughs> the Dar- Darwinian evolutionary m- motif, which is to look more beautiful than someone else. Where do you think that comes from? Okay, but the point is whether Darwin or it's God, God entrenched into uh, in, into all of us certain biological imperatives. Right. The biological imperatives of women is to attract a male. Now, whether there's a male there or not, they're still feeling the the rotzain to attract. Now, there aren't any males there, but they but you still have this frustrated sense of appearing prettier for a male, even though that male is not there. I don't okay. know if that's true. Okay. I know that's true. Okay. So, so, so what's pushing it? Just that sense of beauty. If there would be no, if all males would have been, again, it could be, there's, the DNA is so, is so, is so part of their, their, their gestalt that even if all men would be eliminated. It's an expectation. All women are, maybe originated that way, but now it's just an expectation. That's how women are supposed to function in the world. By the way, this is, there's a big enough community between even in the girls that I teach. Some of them would have one Shabbos outfit, which they wear all of Shabbos, and the other have to change three or three to five times every Shabbos. Right. Which is great girls. Yes. <laughs> well, again, we know that, that the same way you, we were talking about clamping down on women driving, I think that this sort of clamp down on these sneeze rules, especially as the girls, and again, neither I don't think, it's, I don't think there's a, a clampdown on sneers. I think it's a clampdown on flamboyance. Flamboyance is not the same thing as, as sneers. Two separate things. But you realize that the more you clamp down, the more the resistance builds up. And doing these sort of clampdowns is what results in girls going off the derech, girls deciding that no, they have I, been... I, I, I don't think so. I think it was only was handled the wrong way. And, where, and I, you don't think so. Where does you? Where does your thoughts come from? You've never been a Beis Yaakov girl, and you have you ever had a Beis Yaakov girl that's gone off the derech? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, but I have. So I think okay. I know from what I'm talking about. All right. So they, could, they always go to Chabad. <laughs> Look, there's plenty of places, whether it's Chabad or any of the schools that can somehow catch these girls but part, most of their complaints have to do with the fact that they have been uh forced and ticky tacked don't you know that shluch, you know giving a little bit of of of, of allowance m- might save some girls and might okay, not... I, guess, I guess that's why they're not your earrings <laughs> they have to but 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 within such a and and, and foot and, and you know shoes i don't think they're shoes i think they're, they're they don't have to be uniform in other words, they have their individuality and the type of shoes they wear. I don't think that's true. I think yeah. that there's certain... Yeah, they, uh, their limitations are what they you know. But I think they have a broad uh, spectrum within that. 
And let's jump to something that we sort of know more about, because I think we're, you know, I don't think either of us are, you know, you want to bring some of your family and I think they could probably speak about it more intelligently than we can. Let's talk about how these Gadarim, which, you know, we can laugh about or think are too restrictive or maybe just right. Let's talk about how it works for the ganders. I want to, yeah, in the school I teach, the boys also have a uniform. Uh-huh. So, what is, what's the uniform for the boys? A polo shirt and dark pants. Uh-huh. White or blue polo shirt. If when they get, get the, you know, close so, to mitzvah, so, many of them change to white shirts. Uh-huh. But otherwise, they have to wear the white or blue polo shirt and uh, dark pants. Uh, and dark means certain gray is okay, blue is okay, and black is okay. But nothing, n- no other colors yeah. are all right. I don't think so. Okay. Now, let's say there's there's one thing called uniforms because we don't want competition uh, in terms of wealth, in terms of style. We don't want people showing off and using their the, the wealth that they have to buy certain clothing to make them flaunt over others. But so, also, it's not just that. I mean, there's also, a, although I don't think in eighth grade it penetrates that much as perhaps with, in all the grades, but the uniform also is something which uh, is an, of an educational value. You know, according to the Chitzonis, the Lefiapulas and Shachsalavavos, Chitzonis, Mashbiyapanimias, I probably have mentioned on this program in the past that, you know, you're, when I was young, young lad, I never did not I, lo- I love it when you reference yourself and you reference this program. You're very way, welcome. I'm waiting for, I'm, I, I know you're, you're very welcome. Can I, I like to make my point? which is that uh, when I was a young lad, I did not understand what the purpose of a hat and jacket is for people davening. And when I grew older, I didn't like it, but I understood it is because that is a way of a, a social identification. Right. It, for, uh, so in other words, the, the uniform, and your school is sort of not a, a super yeshivish school, right? No. Right. It's, it's sort of like a middle of the road school in a way, right? That, that, that they're hoping that... It, some of those eighth graders will probably go on to all boys yeshivas, right? The most of them are all going to all boys yeshivas. Some are going to MTA. Some are going to Sharatora. You know, it's, it's a broad, broad mix. Mm-hmm. MTA is the farthest left, though. No, the kids go to Frisch. They go to Frisch as well. Well, yeah, Frisch, they're going to have. Three, they, three, yeah. they are going to discover a much different world than Frisch, right? Yeah. Right, and they're going to they're going to see that you know those type of uh, those type of restrictions are going to fall by the wayside. Uh, and the uh, not to the point of complete hefkeros, but they're going to see a different definition of what does it mean uh, a communal uh, a communal sense of dress. And and, and again, d- d- see with the girls though, you know the same way the chassidim are worried about objectifying their women by putting them in the car, and the girls priming themselves with the fashion. For the boys, it's not about objectifying, as you say. It's more about recognizing that you belong to a special class of human beings. Is that what it is? Uh, uh, yes, I would say so. Yes, you're part of this, you know, <laughs> to use a uh, uh, borrowed terminology, part of the civil Hashem. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, and you, do you believe that the, your wards who study under you, who call you Rebbe and revere you uh, so greatly, do you think that they feel that when they are forced to wear these pants and shirts? That Probably they feel- the ones who, only the ones who make the conscious decision to wear white shirts. The ones who don't make that conscious decision, it's, it, I don't, it's subconscious. I don't think it's, of course, not conscious. 
but subconscious is also powerful. And 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 the fact that they were forced to uh, specifically wear this type of dress and eschew the perhaps the t-shirt or whatever it is they wanted to wear is going to force is going to enter into their minds that they were meant to do something special, even though they didn't necessarily consciously want to embrace it. It, it meant that they're part of this school, which they may like or may not like, but the, which which they represent and which represents them. And therefore, there's a subtle and subconscious message. These are the values which we expect from you. And these are the values that we're asking you to, um, uh, to uh, again, not asking directly, but asking you to absorb. Now, do you feel that it's your role as an educator to actually comment on a violation of dress code? Are you supposed no, to? No, no. First of all, I'm absent. I don't, I don't notice these things. Secondly, you don't, you don't, you don't, you're absent-minded, you're saying. I'm not absent-minded, it's long-term. I'm not, I'm not observant. You're not uh, observant. Yeah, I don't observe things like that. Uh-huh. Um, but, so, um, but besides that, that's, uh, besides that, I would never comment on dress code. Well, of course, we were always told that this is a, especially in today's world, this is a minefield because it gets... No, I wouldn't kind of dress code for boys, boys either. It's not, That's I, what I mean, I, but even... Right, but once you can't dress, can't do it for girls, it makes sense you shouldn't do it for boys either. It is a minefield. Yeah. And I, I think the fact it's a minefield indicates that it's uh, a very sensitive thing. Yeah. Although I had a Talmud in MTA who almost went off the derech. He's, he's one of the ones who um, gives a credit for him not going off the derech because they would not let him wear his hoodie in school. And I thought, let him be. Let him wear the hoodie. What difference does it make to you? Yeah, but now, but sounds from what you've said now that you understand. You understand that. I understand I, it, I, but I don't think it's. I don't think it's right. I understand the idea, but I don't think it's right, especially when you have an individual who is indeed, uh, um, uh, it's perhaps eccentric in that way. You should be kind of an RP darko. You have to know what exactly is right for him. Yeah, I think the mountain air is sort of like fuddling your mind because you're you're jumping on two horses here. Because on one hand, you're telling me you understand it, you think it's it's right, it's part of no, this, no, 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 and now you're telling me that there should be darko that things should be individuals. You should right. understand, right? Yeah. So right. the difference between are, are I you understand, saying, but I understand what I think is right. So, so you think it's right to keep enforce the dress code? No. I understand why they forced to dress code. But you, but I don't think it's necessarily right to enforce the dress code. Uh, and that, and do you think that that should now uh, go to even your your elementary school students? Ideally well? speaking, they should be explained to them why they should want to dress this way, and they should do it out of uh, understanding uh-huh. what the right thing to do. I hear. So now. Enforce- so now you're coming over to what I was saying this whole time that being forced. Whether it's you know it's got to be white, it's got to be gray, black, uh, or you know navy blue, right? It's got to be gray, black, or navy blue. Even the blue shirts have got to be dark blue, right? Not dark blue. It has to be. Um, let me get. The, has to be light blue, sort of like this, I guess, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> sort of like what I'm wearing here, um, but right. So, and, and and you you realize, of course, that this is a. Uh, uh, again, an insistence on chitzonius to the point that 
we don't find this in Chazal. We find in Chazal that uh, we talk about big day tzvu and le'isha, right? <laughs> the Gemara speaks about how important that is in terms of, of simchas yontif. Yes, but right? when you talk about, you talk about on the other hand, you talk about the Kohanim and the Beis Hamikdash, the amazing, uh, meticulous uh, attention to uh, uh, to uniformity, right? And uh, there is, uh, there, you find in the Torah both uh, both uh, both uh, concepts, but Chazal do not talk about black and white. Chazal talk about colors. Chazal talk about how in, in Sechtas we talk about the importance of of, of 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 clothing of dyeing clothes of colors and how important clothes dyeing is. That it's one of the things you can do with Perishvias because it's it's doma it's one of the Hanos, it's Doma Lachila Bishtiya. And we weren't talking about, you know, white and black. You were talking about being able to uh, hum, men and women dressing in garments that were multicolored. And and yet this this idea springs out of a medieval a sense of how Jews have developed to look like. Why do we need to keep it so, why do we have to encrust ourselves, especially when we know the kids are bristling and wanting to have some sense of individuality, right? This idea that this color is somehow verboten, that somehow it's too light, somehow shows that you are uh, going to be a kal in Shmiras HaMitzvahs, but if you wear the white and black, that means that we know you're going to be Nizar in mitzvahs. It seems to be artificial, and it seems to be damning people but to to when, do. When it's when it's hard to uh, when it's hard to, uh, you know, actually it's very hard as you may know it's very hard to find a uh, right wing yeshiva high school today in America which they allow blue shirts without shirts of any color other than white. So um, when you have a system which doesn't is not capable of educating and instructing, so um, disciplining and channeling and is the way they approach their uh, <laughs> their student body. Uh, it's like the leader, it's a chisar. And if, if you want to educate, inspire, um, that's one thing. But if you just demand it, it's it's um, it's uh, I think it's negative. Again, I understand it. I don't like it. You're part of it, and you're you're part of it, and you're earning your parnosa from a system that buys into it completely. Well, I, I, I'm not. That's not true. I'm teaching. I'm not teaching in the, in the yeshiva high school of that sort. But uh, what occurs is is that these seventh and eighth graders end up looking at the other kids from the other school who dress in multi colors, and or the girls who see these other girls. Not, they not the same. Say they only see kids to the right. <laughs> But when they go on Shabbatonim or when they go up to Teaneck for pizza, when they the teacher takes them out and some girls from Mayanot or whatever school comes in, they're going to say, mm, those are the sluts. Those are the ones that don't care. Those are the ones who, you know, even those are the ones that, those are the ones that even, you know, those are the ones that maybe they can't even, right? I want to go back to men's clothing for a minute. No, but don't you think that the insistence on this causes a a a a a, a frumkite snobbery and a dismissal of anyone who looks different and an assumption that they're probably not frum and not serious. A lot of the uh, what passes chinuch today is cultivates that sense of snobbery, doesn't it? Right, but but when when you when you're able to label it so easily, in other words, when when it's about 
the intellectual, like, let's say if you, they would have Torah bowls, and you can see that these kids come in, despite the type of shirts and pants they're wearing, knowledgeable and understanding, and then the kids get to know each other, right? Then you could somehow break that, 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 that con- the concept that the fact that you dress in a certain way means that you're probably only this from and only, uh, and this is your knowledge base. I think that 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 cementing the children in 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 this mindset it not only does it not only does it crush individuals like you said it also creates a group think and a negativity and a sense That's what of they want. That's right what they want. which right which 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 causes a a dismissal of other Jews uh, a fact that their way is the only way and <laughs> which I'll tell you is is as I think debilitating. So I, I think this fear that they're operating out of that forces them to to you know to say Yavol, Herr Commandant, and and say this is the way we're going to dress and and calling in people for those violations, I think is not is is going to is going to keep on perpetuating a very narrow uh, understanding of what does it mean to be a Ben Tyro. And have I have I ever told on this program? Oh God. I hear. I am the great curator. Yes, I have. I have transcripts of every yes. pearl of wisdom. You have, you, you, you you have a far said. better. Mem- you have a far better memory than I do. That's the reality. Yes, yes. Okay. So That's that- what you always do. Like whenever, whenever I get you, you, you know, like it's, it's like let me just compliment the guy and tell him he's smarter than me. In this way, he'll shut up. Okay. No, you're not smarter than me. You, know, you don't. Oh, you don't think so. No, you so? better memory. You better memory. Oh, oh just right? a better memory. Just a better yes. memory. Okay, right. Yes. Depends, I guess, how you define smart, right? Oh, okay, <laughs> can, we, can we get past the snip? Uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, did I tell over the, the story about my yarmulke and Chavetz Chaim? I think you have, but let's, uh, I, I, it's not like it's not like people are listening to this remember it, but go ahead, yes. So when I, I well, my second year after high school, I was in Shalvin, but I came back to America for a summer's month. And uh, I interviewed in two places for just for the summer's man, Torah and Chabetz Chaim. And it showed up to both interviews in the Kippas Yes, I think you've talked about that. Okay, and so basically in Chabetz Chaim, they told me I have to change my yarmulke and they refused to tell me the re- after I got there, not before I got there. They refused to tell me why I have to change my yarmulke. Mm-hmm. And uh, that uh, I'm not going to go into detail since I guess we've heard it before, but uh, uh, I, that was, uh, to me, that was a horrible, horrible educational. Uh, um, uh, what happened to What happened to Sharatayra? told me, they told me up front, I have to change my article. Which is so, much more honest. Uh-huh. So in other yeah, words... The didn't tell me I have to change my article, so that's what the time. And then once they accepted you, they whispered to you, you have to change your yarmulke. They didn't whisper. Yeah. But they said that. Uh-huh. So in Sharatayra, right. In Sharatayra, they didn't have to they give it. They just said in order to fit in here, you better just, you have to change your yarmulke. Yeah. Which is fair enough. Yeah. Well, as, as someone who learned in Sharatayra, I, I, I respect you know, what, what they're after. Of course, they are, uh, you know, again, a very broad, in many ways, a broad-minded place, but they definitely don't want to, um, you know, uh, they definitely don't want to buck completely the yeshivish look but <laughs> meanwhile inside 
they are, in many ways, they do undermine in Sharatayra. They did undermine in Sharatayra the usual assumption of what uh, the yeshivish outlook should be, you know, their style of learning and in their attitude. Um, right? But, you know, the chitzonius, I guess you're correct. They they kept the chitzonius there, but right. I think they were able in Sharatayra to... But, but for example, my, my erstwhile colleague, Rabbi Mayor Schiller, he said that if he was in charge of Chaim, he would have kicked me out on, on the spot for, for being being chutzpanyak, for not uh, for refusing to change my amaka until the, like they finally, uh, you know, threatened me with ejection that same day. But uh, I don't. Uh, that's as a chassidish person, I can understand that would be his perspective. Uh, as a non-chassid, I understand it and I don't like it. Well, I, I think this we could probably wrap this up using uh, Mayor Schiller as as a as as an example. Um, you know, despite the regalia that he wears, of course, that if you if you are privy to things that he thinks about and, and, and talks about, you can see how much he knows, how much he reads, how much he's able to comprehend and interweave from the outside world, uh, probably with better diction. Uh, than what most of this needs to be about, which is to explain to people that, look, we are going to be a very free, empowering place, but it's going to be in your mind. Now, it's true, this is silly, that we're going to make you dress in a certain way, and we're going to have this certain box that, in many ways, we know you're going to bristle against. But try to impress upon them that there's going to be an exciting freedom that they are going to be able to experience and that's going to be something that although it's not going to be the exact same thing hey man i want to wear this because this is what i'm about they still will be able to be individuals because they are going to go on an intellectual odyssey that 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 would indeed be a, a great leap forward and i think i think kids can maybe get it and say look you know, this is sort of silly that we have to dress this way, but man, let's open up the page. I don't know if all of them would get, at least some of them would get. Yeah, and I think that's probably, you know, and, and that's why in many ways, you know, the chassidim, um, uh, despite what people think about them, are sometimes able, especially the chassidim, uh, the broad-minded chassidim, yeah, okay, they dress in a certain way. And Rabbi Tversky, of course, the late Rabbi Tversky is an example of this. Mayor Schiller is an example of this. And, and and they're able to pull that trick. Uh, Menachem Zilber, of course, who works in art school and others, they're people who are able, incredibly, in fact, it almost allows them to do it. It's almost like, look, we, you actually are going to be a maverick thinker. You're actually going to be the wolf, out. The wolf, the wolf in sheep's clothing. Right. And, and, and you know what? This is going to allow you to do it because you're going to be unassailable. But meanwhile, your mind and your thoughts and what you're going to write Right. And what you're going to argue whole, about. A whole other vista. I, very good point. Yes. And, 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 and now, again, this is from Mitzionim, but I think that's going to be the answer. That's why so many of us submit, even though we feel ourselves fiercely individualistic. Well, that's about it, my friends. From uh, the, on this 23rd of Shabbat, this Tainus Tzadikim, uh, we hope that uh, through this conversation. That's right. Take care, everybody. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. 
Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 